Welcome to Will Make a Disney Nerd Out of You, the podcast where we take a deep dive into all things Disney and what they mean to us. Each week we will be reacquainting ourselves with a classic Disney movie and sharing all the Disney Nerd info and Easter eggs we can find with you. And hello, welcome to another fabulous week at Will Make a Disney Nerd Out of You. Hello, John. Hey, babes, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm dreamy, thank you. Dreamy? Um, yeah, Anyways. I think it's been all right. It's been okay this week. A little bit better. Yeah. That, that run up to Christmas in a primary school. It's all so magical and ridiculously bonkers. When did you break up? Um, the 20th of December. Oh, fuck. That's close, to, I know. that's close to Christmas. It's one of those weird Christmas holidays where we break up in the middle of the week. And then mm. we have two full weeks off, but it's like Wednesday to Wednesday, Wednesday to Wednesday. So yeah. it's weird this year. But hey, it means you're back in, you have two days, you're off again. Yeah, yeah, true. It's like live, live true. that dream. True, true, um, true. So, so you, know, you know, basically, I don't know whether we have discussed this, I'm sure we have, um, in the past. But this whole year, um, Liam and I, I've kind of instigated this thing where we do one thing a month. Okay, but like so oh, right, one, yeah, yeah. one different thing. Yeah, and you know, like so yeah. we saw um we saw the Abba Voyage show or Voyage. Mm-hmm. Um we went to a Bob Marley exhibition, we went to the British Museum, like all these kind of things, yeah. Yeah. And we were just we were on White Wine Wednesday, uh, mm-hmm. on Wednesday, and may have had a couple of wines, not gonna lie. Um and it occurred to me we have booked nothing for this year. And I was like, fuck no, that, that needs to change. Um so <laughs> basically came down the next morning to find my wallet on the table and was like oh, what, did, what did I do last night um, and I'm well excited I've got to tickets to go see Banana Rama next May Yay! oh amazing that's cool I know I'm so excited it's their 40th anniversary Banana Rama I fucking that's... loved them as a gay of a certain age that's like what I grew up with and they're fucking amazing and I love the fact that they're still like throwing shapes and chucking out albums and stuff. They had an album out this year for their um, 40th anniversary and it's got kind of like the old 80s soundtrack and stuff like that. So it's awesome. So yeah, we're going to go and see them. And Liam's got really into it as well. So we've had that whole album on repeat since it I came out. Anyway. Like, he, he can't, he mustn't like, the Banana Rama like was like, must have way before him. He was like, what is this new music you're listening to? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's older than you, mate. Um, okay. Like, quite some bit. <laughs> Anyway, yes, we're going to do that. So I'm well excited. So I need to get some more more shit in the diary. Um, right. One of which will be Jack and the Beanstalk. Oh, Jack and the Beanstalk, know. I hear you say, from the 13th of what? January that I'm in at Wallingford. At the That's Coldstone. the one! Oh. Yeah. Plug hey, it I was going to ask more. you about that anyway. Yeah. yeah always plug it, guys. Always, because, because you're fabulous and you need to be seen. Um, songs. Yes. In the panto. Right, so- how many are there? Um, there's quite a few. Is the song singing, heavy? Yeah. Uh, I'm singing um, Colour My World. Um, the originally by, I can't remember what her name is. Um, oh my God, shut up. As in, um, what, as in M people, like Heather Small? No, 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 no. No, what's this? As in, I can't, this what's is that horrible. one? It's in the song. It's the, um, so you can colour my world with sunshine yellow each day. You've never heard that song before? No? No, but it sounds fabulous. I feel okay, like it's fabulous. Think. It's in Priscilla Queen of the Desert, the musical. So that's where I... I should that. know that because I have seen that, but I saw that about 412 years ago now. So, so yeah. 
But yeah, anyway, it's a great song. Um, and so yeah, we've got that. What else have we got? Um, have you got any solos? That's my solo. That's my solo. That is your solo. Oh. My my big entrance. Um, and then... <laughs> that's what she said. <laughs> um, and um, what's the? I, I can't even remember the songs now. That's awful, isn't it? Thing is that this year, actually, compared to previous years, like I've done Panto like last year, I'm in actually hardly any of the group numbers. <laughs> I tell you, it's the bonus of being the same. It's great. It's like, I, mean, literally, I, I can't wait to see you. Like, I'm so excited. I was talking to Martin about it the other night and he was saying about your heels and I'm like, down. We are literally, yeah, no, I got, um, I looked at my heels the other day um, and we've tried someone, they go being stretched. It's got quite that wide feet. Um, so, um, <laughs> so they've been stretched at the moment. Um, so yeah, I've got to start practicing them and just, yeah, it just helps. Also walking around Walking around in heels is fucking good for the calves, isn't it? It's amazing. I mean, I have good, pretty good calves as it is, but you know. No, All right. All right. <laughs> know your worth. So, yes. Um, yeah, this weekend, Martin and I are going to see, talk about sort of shows and things. Martin and I have to see Sweeney Todd this evening. Which That's so cool. Have you seen that before? I've, I've seen it on stage. I've seen it twice professionally on stage. Yeah. I saw it. Professionally. I saw it back in 2006. Um in a little act-musicianship version of the show um, at the Ambassador's Theatre in London. And then I saw, mm. I was really lucky to see Michael Ball and Imelda Staunton in playing Sweeney and um, Mrs... What's her name? Mrs... Oh, Mrs. Pirate Lady. Yeah, and he said Mrs. Potts. That's definitely not right. No, it's not. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm still not over it. I'm still not over Ange. Um, oh, no. But that's, well, that's the link, isn't it? Because Angela Lansbury played mrs love it that's it love it yes oh my yes God, that's, that's, cool. that's, like, that's like a proper my brain did like a whole like map from we went on a journey i did i did i did, I did. yeah so i'm excited to see that looking to direct it probably in the future so yes oh my god you should absolutely imelda staunton speaking of which have you watched this season of the crown yes of course i have i've watched the whole bloody thing okay we only just finished it last night I finished it on now, Tuesday, I think it was, Tuesday, Wednesday. I love it. All I'm doing is going around saying, all right, and talking like Princess Diana. It's fabulous. Yeah. I thought it was all right. What it, was did you under, it was understated compared to the other seasons, I felt. Um, yeah. Okay, so we felt the same. We were like, I don't know. We loved the historic stuff. So like the first yeah. two seasons, fucking loved. Claire, um, Claire Foy. Claire Foy? Um, Claire Foy yeah. um, had that down to a fucking tea and the accent and everything was just impeccable and there were so many words that she would say that i would then repeat myself like strongly you pop yeah. the g in um fucking love it and then i thought um olivia coleman was amazing as a queen again but then with this season i think like a Emma staunton's not even in it as much as i feel she should be no um it's just all about charles and diana isn't it and b it, it just felt a bit more tabloidy and a bit more exaggerated. Yeah. But then, hang on, but let's think about it. That's what the the monarchy was like in the 90s. Like, you know, I it's, yeah. how, it's my first memories of the monarchy. That's how it was sort of presented. And I, I think that actually what it successfully does is it it produces the feel of the tabloids and of the, the how the monarchy was seen by the public in the 90s. Quite Do you well. remember her dying? Not yeah. Not Mel Staunton. She's still alive, <laughs> Princess Diana. I, I said... <laughs> I actually really have a really awful story about it. Well, it's not, it's like a really stupidly short story, but it's just a bit ridiculous. I I actually remember where I was when I found out. Where were you? 
sat on the toilet. <laughs> what the fuck? I this remember. Was ages ago, though. It's not that like he was scrolling your phone. I was 11. I was 11. And I think we so just got up. And I remember my mum running up the stairs. It was really early. We never used to get up early on Sunday. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. Really early in the morning. We'd got up and it was something like seven o'clock, half past seven in the morning. And I'd gone to mm. the loo and mum came running up the stairs. She said, Princess Diana's died. And I just remember I was sat on the loo. Like, that's how I remember where I was. It was That was where I was when she died. But yeah, no, I remember oh, it really, God. really, really well. Because I remember watching the funeral. And like I was well, yeah. 11. Like, I, I knew about her and I knew obviously who she was and how important she was but like my experience of her was nothing to do with her and Charles my experience of her was the separation so I yeah post yeah yeah yeah. so my my mum's sort of understanding of Princess Diana was um this you know this woman who was this fairy tale and that actually it was mourning for a fairy tale that had been completely lost and like my mum could remember Mm. There, there being like a in the street where we lived because um, when my brother and sister were very little, and they yeah. had a massive street party for the wedding, and yes, like I, I obviously I wasn't alive, so um, it is sort of like actually, I didn't at eleven years old, I didn't understand that connection. I do now, but at that, yeah. that time, I can remember my mum really crying, and I can remember sort of being sat there thinking, "Wow, this is a bit of an overreaction," and going out to play with my mm-hmm. friends. I remember watching the majority yeah. of the funeral, but then I think about how what I'm like now. I mean, I went to the Queen's funeral. I went to Windsor. Yeah. It's like, yeah. but yeah. I know. Bonkers. It's crazy. The world, I mean, I remember it so vividly. I mean, I was obviously substantially older than you. Um, and and just the world stopped. And we didn't have like Sky TV and shit like that in those days. Yeah. So just like you had, you had your four channels and maybe a blurry five. Um, and every single channel was just about... Diana. Diana. That was it. And I remember being really pissed off that there was nothing else I could watch. I went to my friend's house and watched Scream on VHS. There you go. Cool. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it, it, was a, it was a whole thing, wasn't it? But yeah, um, we found the ending of the season really frustrating because they've obviously done it to get you in for the next season. Yeah, yeah. Because originally this was supposed to be it. That was it. That was yeah. Like, yeah. They were, they were going to put the, the storyline of the two seasons into one. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's now two seasons so i can understand why it's understated so mm-hmm. but yes anyway disney anyway disney yeah. um actually, disney well, I'm, I'm actually gonna go on a little bit more of a tangent of it have you watched all of andor yet no we haven't okay because basically we binged the crown got that out of the way and now we can concentrate on andor because andor is now done and finished yes <gasps> oh my god yes, yes? yeah right it. so basically we can now watch andor in its Oh, the last to fruition, darling. Oh, yeah, so good, so yeah. good. Like because yeah. so it's gonna so obviously don't tell me nothing, Tom. But we've got another season of it, and that's it. It's yeah, a two parter. Yeah. Um, does it end in a way that we're going to be really pissed off that we've now got to wait two years before we get the next season, or does yes. it end in a way where you're like, okay, I'm happy with that season ending? Fuck. Okay, yes. great. And um, when you get to the last <laughs> episode, also just wait. There's a little um post-credit scene which is very rare star wars i don't think we've ever had a post-credit scene in star wars before but yeah there is one um okay so yeah you need to to wait um so yeah it's if you have to tell you something yeah 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 yeah. okay oh my god we've watched like the first half but then we stopped because like i said before it's like 
I wanted to carry on watching it. And we were so fucking frustrated that it was an episode a week. So it was like, right, just stop, yeah. wait, and then we'll just watch the I whole thing. I do think because this I would be season like, should have come out all at once, personally. Yes. It's so intricate, the plot. And it's yeah. like, I need, you know, full brain capacity. I need to watch on it. That now note, it's all out. I want to watch it all again. From beginning to I end. I need to tell you something really fucking exciting that happened What's today. It? Um, so I got a message from Liam. Yeah. Um, Liam works in an in an art and craft supply shop, and um, today he served someone really fucking random. Oh, he's, don't, he don't like really fucking random. He sent me a message going, "I just served Chewbacca." What the new Chewbacca? Yes. I'm oh not my fucking god! Joking I say, he... Yes. So apparently Liam was like. <laughs> they were supposed to like served him and then went sorry can I just ask you a weird question <laughs> and he was like yeah and he was like are you Chewbacca <laughs> and apparently he went yes well spotted have a good Christmas <laughs> and Liam was like oh fuck oh my god like immediately messaging me and being like fucking hell I just messaged it and so I was like what did you buy for that but apparently he hasn't got back to me yet but whatever um, how exciting is that though uh, it's exciting did I tell you about our Star Wars spot I'm sure did I I can't remember so when we I went, mean, tell me again, because if we didn't, I'm pretty do it, sure yeah. we did, but I'm going to say it again recording, anyway. Didn't so last, when I took Martin to see um, Matilda, we were at the station in um, what's it called, um, Notting Hill Gate, and yeah. saw the woman who plays um, the really scary Imperial woman in Andor. Um, <gasps> who I've got um, no idea what her name is, but yes, I know who you mean. It's, um, I'm going to find out. Um, it... Do you recognise her straight away? Yeah. Martin's like, no, it's not. No, I mean, he's not watching it. <laughs> no, no, it can't be. It can't be. Why would she be here? <coughs> I was like, it is definitely 100% her. Denise Goff. Well, when... Denise Goff, love her. Because yeah. when Liam... Because Liam's very enthusiastic about many, many things in life. Um, but sometimes, you know, maybe gets it wrong. Um, and the other week, <laughs> the other week, he thought that he served Nadine from Girls and Our Sister. Um, so I was like, I, he was like, does she have a sister? Because I think I served her today. And I was like, really? So I looked it up. Yeah, she does have a sister. I showed him a picture and he was like, no, it's just another Irish lady. <laughs> That's a bit generalization. I know. Anyway. Anyway, Disney. I'm going to tell you exciting things because I've done so much fucking research. I cannot even tell you. So this Thursday, what film this, are we looking at this week? Okay, we are looking at. A film that has spawned a franchise. Amazing. Okay. And it's one of those things that you kind of don't immediately think of it as being a franchise when you do it. But let me tell you, these many pages of information here that I've got, tell us all about it. It's 101 Dimensions. Oh, I love this Fucking glorious. Do you? I really do as well. This one and Aristocats are two of my kind of like old school favourites that I've loved since I was a teeny tot. Um, Fucking gorgeous. Um. Let me tell you about it, because I've got a lot to say. Right, our usual shit. Let's get it out there. It was released on January the twenty fifth, nineteen sixty one, which, by coincidence, was my dad's nineteenth birthday. Ah, can't imagine he went to see it, but hey, there you go. Um, the budget was three point six million, which is really teeny, teeny, tiny. And I'm going to go into why later. Um, however, it made a whopping three hundred and three million dollars. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Okay. So hey. That's pretty fucking good. It also was nominated for a Grammy and it won a bas- a BAFTA? A BAFTA. Bastard. Um, it won a BAFTA for the best animated feature. 
Amazing. Okay. Right. It's we're going to play the pronunciation game throughout this entire fucking episode <laughs> today. So I hope you're ready for this shit. So please Always. correct me if I get them wrong. Right. Um, directed by Wolfgang. Right. So is it Reiterman or Reiterman? How's it spelled? R-E-I-T-H-E-R-A-M-N. M-A-N even. It's, I would um, Wolfgang right Reiterman. From, and he's one of the nine old men. Yeah. Okay? yeah. So I, it was directed by him, uh, who's one of the nine old men. Uh, Hamilton Lusk. Um, who was the supervising animator of the first ever <coughs> Disney princess, Snow White, oh. um, and won the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects in 1965 for the animated sequence in Mary Poppins, which I thought was pretty fucking good. Amazing. Um, and also Clyde Geronimi, I'm guessing, Geronimi, Geronimi. Um, okay. And he worked on Bambi, Cinderella, Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, Lady and the Tramp, and Sleeping Beauty. So a really sturdy little directing so literally also, everything up to this film. Yeah. Pretty much. Literally everything. Yeah. Bang on. Um, Sleeping Beauty being quite a pivotal one there. Um, the cast. Let me tell you about this. We have got um, Rod Taylor, who plays Pongo. This is his, So a lot of these people, weirdly, didn't do anything else with Disney, but started in a shitload of Hitchcock stuff. Really? Yeah. Seriously, for real. Like the birds and um, Alfred Hitchcock Hour and stuff like that. Like, loads wow um so yeah um so rod taylor uh this was his only disney movie and he starred as mitch brenner in average hitchcock's the birds which um also interesting one with this one um his final movie role was as winston churchill and in inglorious bastards oh so now i want to rewatch that because i actually really love that movie i think it's i've never awesome. seen it I've... have you not are you not a tarantino fan um, not particularly, not particularly. Martin me, tried to get me to watch Kill Bill. I, I enjoyed it. I okay. take it. Um, yeah. Yeah, fine. He's He's got such a star to him, so it's like either you're going to be really into it or be like, meh. Um, I love them. I think they're great. He's got lots of wordplay in there, but yeah, he's in Inglourious Bastards. So now I want to re-watch Inglourious Bastards. Every time I see Winston Churchill, I'll be like, it's fucking bongo. It's bonkers. <laughs> That's um so Perdita was played by Lisa Daniels mm-hmm. and Kate Bauer. Okay, uh-huh. and this is something that I couldn't pick out where they swap over. Um, so basically, Lisa Daniels had only completed recording about a third of Perdita's voice work when she got married and she moved to New York. Um, so Kate Bauer completed the rest of the voice work, which, other than an episode of The Third Man in 1959, was literally her only recorded acting role. Wow. Crazy, isn't it? Um, we will have more on her later, though. Don't you worry. I'm going to move swiftly on to uh, the main lady in this show. Yeah. Cruella DeVille. Okay? She was uh, voiced by Betty Lou Gerson, which to me is just a fucking stunning name anyway. When we watched the um, the credits for the film, there are so many names of that time and place like Betty Lou. Stunning. Amazing. Lots of as well. Um, so she also voices um, Miss Birdwell, on the What's My Crime TV show. So that's the little TV show that um, Horace and Jasper are watching. That's basically oh, really? a play. Yeah, that's actually a play on What's My Line, which was a TV show um, of that time in the States where basically people were blindfolded, someone would come out, they could ask them 10 questions, they had to guess what they did for a living kind of thing. And with yeah. What's My Crime, they have to guess what their crime was, which is actually really funny. And it's kind of worth watching it again just for that because they're well cute. They're like, um, would you say that you had perhaps stolen or committed, I don't know, a murder. It's great fun. Um, 
Um, Mary Wicks was the live reference for Cruella. Um, and yes, 35 years, yeah, and 35 years later, she voiced Laverne the Gargoyle in um, Hunchback and Notch Dom. Yeah, so which I just thought was really cute. Do you know who she also, um, she also played? She no, was, tell she, me, she played the old late, the old nun in Sister Act. Really, yeah, really, oh, really, I really. love that. Is she, is she, is she alive or is she dead? Like she's dead. She did. Dead. So she won't be coming up for three, four then, will she? Uh, I love her though. I because oh, that was the sad thing. So in Hunchback mm. Arm, she didn't make she didn't make the premiere. So she voiced oh. it. And she died before the premiere. Yeah, that's really fucking sad. Because I because Hunchback is it's a it's a funny one for me. I love it. Uh, anyway, it's definitely going to be a feature. But it's yeah, but it's but it's definitely a more grown up. It's got a more yeah. grown up tones to it, and I love the gargoyles because they really are the light mm. relief, aren't they? They're fucking they brilliant. Really love it. Um, moving on to Roger. Um, so what I loved about Roger, and I'd forgotten this, so having not watched it in years, and then rewatching on Thursday, um, you've got Ben Wright playing Roger, okay, and he was uh, Mowgli's wolf father. Rama in the Jungle mm-hmm. Book, and he was oh, also yeah, Grimsby. Yeah, and he was Grimsby in The Little Mermaid. Uh, Love that. Uh, so if you think his voice will have aged now, yeah. Um, and actually, that was his last film role. Really, um, and it was released just after his death, which is a real shame. Um, and then he sings, and it's about eight octaves lower. Yeah, and I was like, gonna look that one up. Yep, Bill Lee was Roger's singing voice. Right. Um. So he also sang with this singing quartet called the Mellow Men. Okay. Right. Um, and they did a shitload of stuff for Disney. Uh, they were on Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, Lady and the Tramp. Um, he was also the singing voice of Shere Khan in Jungle Book, mm-hmm. um, which is cool. Also, this was a really cute little link. And I love this because, um, you know, I like to really get into like yeah, who yeah. these people are and other shit that they've done. And maybe if it's not Disney related, like the Hitchcock stuff. There's a really cute link between these two. Cute in a little bit Nazi way. Um, so Ben Wright, who did the speaking voice, uh, he plays um, Herr Zeller in The Sound of Music. And oh, really? Ben Lee, yeah, and Ben Lee was the singing voice of Captain Von Trapp. Wow, that's amazing. How cool is that? I thought that was a really wicked little bit to find out. I was like, oh my God. How do you feel about Sound of Music? Just I love it. I love it. Do you not love it? I love, I lo- it. No, I love I it. I love it. I've always loved Sound of Music. Have I never told you my Sound of Music story? No. Oh my God. Quick tangent. Brief one, I promise. Um, up until I was about 16, I did not know the real ending of The Sound of Music. It's so fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, watched it every year at Christmas. La, 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 la. I swear to God, I thought it ended when they got married. Okay? Because my oh. mum would be like, finished, and turn it off. And basically when I was 16 we had a TV on like I don't know in the kitchen and we were getting on and doing Christmas dinner and everything and she hadn't noticed and it got to the end and all of a sudden there they are in the graveyard and he's blowing the fucking whistles and telling the Nazis where they are and I just remember being shook and being like what? What's, what's this scene that's been added on to ruin the film? That's hilarious so I have I have a little bit of a sound music story so basically yeah. the last big West End production that had Connie Fisher controversially yes yeah yeah that was doing the show she won the role and then she hardly ever did the performances because she was always ill um, so you saw, you saw her one of three I didn't but I actually I did actually see I was very lucky to see her on stage was she good 
you know, she was actually really good. She was really good. Yeah. My the reason why I went to see it was my old singing teacher from college was in it. And oh, she cool. Was, she was the understudy for Mother Superior and things. Yeah. Um, so I went to go and watch it, and it was a really random night. And actually, my Sally, who was on the podcast last year, um, yeah, this is going to go away right on a tangent. I apologize. Love. Anyway, never um, the day that I went to see Sound of Music because there's a two points to this story. Um, the first one is we were, I was walking down Oxford Street. Yeah. You, do you remember where New Look used to be in Oxford Street next to M&S? Yeah, I know M&S. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So I was walking down Oxford Street and then all of a sudden I hear this massive explosion and I'm thinking, oh my God, terrorists. What the fuck? Like, yeah. This, this is ridiculous. Basically, the wi- this fire had blown out the windows, the top windows of New Look. Fuck off. Over no. Oxford, and there's debris <gasps> like falling down all over Oxford Street. Shut up. Smoke everywhere, all through Oxford Street. Fuck. It was a major thing. Oxford Street was like shut and everything. Um, and then I went to see Sound of Music and the any theatre around there, like the Dominion, I think they shut yep. because it was too close because the smoke had like gone into the auditorium. And yeah, stuff. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the Palladium, which was even closer for some reason, didn't shut. So the show still went on. So I went to see it and it was really smoky inside the theatre and you could smell it everywhere. No! And went to see the show. Mm. Um, and then many years later, um, when I was living with Sally, we were talk. I was telling her this story about walking. She was like, oh my God, I was there. I was there when I was walking down Oxford Street when that happened. And I went, <gasps> I went to see Sound of Music that night. And I was like, what? We didn't know each other at the time. But we'd both <sighs> experienced the same thing. And we're both sat a matter of like two or three rows. From <gasps> each other. It's like sliding doors. It's like sliding doors. Um, but anyway, the thing that the, with the actual show, it always yeah. makes me laugh. They were like, oh, it's like this amazing mountain that we've designed. Like this hydraulic mountain yeah, yeah. on stage. And it was fucking it was so, so funny. Like, literally, the, the Abbey came down for them to sing Climb Every Mountain at the beginning of the show. And all you could hear was this mountain going... <laughs> the fun- I was sat front row, and it was just hysterical. <laughs> Got Mother Superior singing this beautiful song, just getting louder and louder to try and cover this, like, noise. So funny. Anyway... <laughs> That's my story over. Oh, my God. Major tangent. No, no, never be. Never, never, never. Okay, where am I up to? I've got to find my notes again. Right, so. Yeah, fine. Lisa Davis played Anita. Okay, and again, this is another one where this is her only, so it's her only voice acting role. She's done Hitchcock and shit like that as well. It's mm. really bizarre. Um, so I don't know, like, do they all know each other? This this happens, doesn't it? We find this with Disney. Um, and basically... She originally read for the Cruella role, um, okay. and when she and when she read for Cruella, she did it as an impression of Jar Jar Gabor. Oh wow! I I kind of think that's kind of fabulous. But obviously, Cruella is a bit more yeah uh, than that, isn't she? Um, Frederick Warlock played Horace, yeah, um, but he again he's dual rolled it, and he also plays Inspector Graves on What's My Crime. So he's another one yeah. of the guys who's who's guessing what the crime is. Um, J. Pat O'Malley. This is quite a fun one. Uh, he plays Jasper. Right. Um, but he also voices Colonel, the old English sheepdog from the Twilight oh, Bark. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And they, and they have an interaction. Really? <laughs> and I fucking love that. And it's when the kind of like the big attacks going on and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, so he's basically talking to himself. That's, Amazing. I just think that's fun. I just think that's fun. Um, Martha Wentworth 
Um, she voices Nanny. Amazing character. We love her. She's great. Nanny is fucking brilliant, really. But I feel like that character, that type of character, we see a lot in Disney. Yeah. Um, whether it's, you know, she's got a hint of the Mrs. Potts to her. Um, you know, she's got a hint of, oh my God, what's the mum called in Mary Poppins? Do you know what I mean? It's like that kind of character is very much a, a Disney yeah, yeah. a Disney staple. Um, she also voices uh, Queenie the Cow. Oh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. And this was the thing that I've just done a little sidebar on um, because that was a really controversial scene at the time because that shows the puppies suckling from the cow. Oh, really? Yeah. And it was really controversially uh, kind of whatever received uh, back in the day. However, they kept that scene in for the live action remake, which I also watched on Thursday. Literally on Thursday, we got to the end and Liam just was like, we've we fucking watched eight hours of 101 fucking I will, come, I will come to that film a little bit later when we talk about it. But Oh, mate, I'll she, be coming to that film. In, that, in, that, in the live action, it was played by Joan Plowright. And Joan Plowright yeah. is like yeah. a huge... British acting star. Um, oh, she's fabulous. She's she's been in so much, so so much, and like she she's one that's sort of crossed over. But you know, famously, like she um, she was the 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 later the last wife of like Laurence Olivier, and she you know she was in stuff like The Entertainer and stuff like that, like mm. really proper classic films, um, and. She just, for me, she just embodied that really sort of like quite nice dumpy British kind of <laughs> character. I just love it. I just she's my favorite no, I character know. in this film. It's just that the fact that she's just like you know these two burglars are coming in, but I am actually going to fight you. <laughs> like, yeah, damn fucking right. We loved it. That was one of um, Liam's favorites from when he was a kid. The the live action one. Yeah. Um, Martha Wentworth still on that one. She also played Lucy the Goose, so she had three roles. Um, oh, wow. In the film, which is brilliant, but also she was the voice of Madame Mim in Sword oh, really? in the Stone. Yes, fucking love that. Um, and also the Cockney Cow in the animated section of um, Mary Poppins. Love it. So I thought that was a nice little bit, and that was actually her final film role as well. Aww. The um, the Cockney Cow. We should do Sword in the Stone. Yeah, I'm down. I love that film. Yeah, I know. I think it's awesome. It's also, I like the little twist at the end and stuff with the, uh, the yeah, yeah. And shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great from him to a little bit more about the book. Okay, so basically, it was originally a book, guys. Shocker. Um, That was called The 101 Dalmatians by Dodie Smith. So, I'm just going to read this shit out because I wrote stuff, all right? Um, Disney employed Bill Pete to write the story. um, And it was the first time that a uh, story for Disney animated film was written by a single person. So there wasn't a team working on it. It was just literally him, which I think is actually kind of cool because it's, again, this is budget shit that's going on. And again, I'll tell you why the budget shit was later on. Um, He also worked on Pinocchio, Fantasia, Dumbo, Three Calaberos, um, Song of the South, controversial. Um, So Dear to My Heart. Have you seen So Dear to My Heart? No, I haven't. No, should. Have you not? Oh, it's one of those, it's, it's like a, uh, Pete's Dragony thing where I think you've got a mixture of live action and oh, okay. um, and animated which was big the same with Song of the South at that time um, Cinderella Alice in Wonderland Peter Pan Sleeping Beauty Goliath 2 which we've mentioned before that we keep finding is linked to so many Disney movies yet we've got no fucking idea what it is we should probably watch yeah, it at some point really. um, Sword of the Stone and Jungle Book 
Um, so he'd done a he'd done a shitload of Disney. So he was it was in safe hands for them to basically yeah. give him give him this to play with. Um, so there were changes that he made from the original book. Okay, so <laughs> yeah. he's condensed some things and he's done this, that, and the other. So originally it was uh, Pongo and Mrs. or Mrs. Pongo, um, and Purdy right. was actually a stray whose puppies had been sold, um, and she was brought in as a wet nurse. Uh, because they'd had 15 puppies, so just to help with Mrs. and Pongo. Yeah. Okay? And so Perdita in the film is a mixture of Purdy and Mrs. together. So I'm guessing the okay. two different personalities and stuff mixed together, which I think is pretty so cool. I've never, I've never actually read or experienced the book ever. And I, I'm going to add a little bit, a little bit later on in regards to the musical. Mm-hmm. Carry on, go for it, keep going. You do that, Bobs, you do that. Um Right, so uh, in the book, Roger and Anita's surname is Dearly, um, but they changed it to Radcliffe, um, and they did that because they already had in Peter Pan, like, uh, the Darlings and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Oh, but also, they don't have first names in the book. They're not called Roger and Anita. They're just called Mr. and Mrs. Dearly. Oh, okay. Which is quite, quite, it's quite, um, so we don't know the names of Mr. and Mrs. Darling in Peter Pan. Yeah. So it's, it's, I think it's, um, sort of like a generational thing, that it's like a respectful thing to call them the parents. Oh, yeah. The older one, Mr. and Mrs. Yeah. This definitely kind of humanises them a lot more though, doesn't it? Um, so also there were two nannies in the book. We had Nanny Cook and Nanny Butler. And of course there's only one in the film. Um, Horace was originally called Saul in the book, so to me that's just like a pointless change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Point yeah. That. You're not amalgamating characters or anything like that. Another one that's a bit of a weird one. So uh, Tib, uh, Tib, the ginger tom, is originally um, a grey female cat, which is a bizarre one. I've just sent you. Um, a, I've just sent you a picture. Don't sorry. look at it yet. Okay. I will explain in a minute. Like, can't wait. Okay. Saw it came through. Flicked it away, babes. Um, yeah, so originally the ginger tom was a grey female cat. So again, don't really know. Maybe it just looked better, I'm guessing, on the yeah. screen. Um, because it's brighter colour. And of course, in this film, you have a lot of muted colours because you've mm-hmm. got a lot of Dalmatians. So I've got a cat jumping on the uh, on the camera. Get out of the way, babe. Um, she's being scrummy. Um, in the book, uh, yeah, in the book, Roger is a financial wizard who helped wipe out Britain's national debt as opposed to a struggling musician, hey. which is a really bizarre... But Tanner, you kind of yeah. well, you kind of need the, the struggling musician for two reasons. Yeah, <laughs> one because they need the dollar, um, yeah. and two just to incorporate songs. Yeah, into course. the film because because that's how they do it. So it's not done as a musical. No, um, the, the songs in it are done from him singing them and jingles and stuff like that. Um, so here's the thing with that budget, that teeny teeny tiny budget. So the movie before this, as we've already covered, was Sleeping Beauty, and that was a commercial flop. So basically, the budget was cut massively from, what did they do? They reduced the studio stuff 100. So, I mean, you're going to less than a fifth of your team. Um, And they brought in um, some new technology um, for the animation process. So it was photocopying technology, xerography. So we talked about this in, Spe- in Sp- Spider-Man? Yeah. We cover Spider-Man. In Sleeping Beauty, we cover this. Yeah. It, it, Sleeping Beauty was the the last film that was done in the original way. Yeah. 
exactly so with this this was a cheaper way of doing it you weren't hand drawing out each frame at a time um so it made it quicker um what else do we get here yeah because they could basically print they could print the animators drawings directly onto the cells so you're not drawing it out um also that led to a more rough drawing style which you do notice throughout this entire thing. There's lots of kind of sketchy lines in it and stuff but like that. I love which, it. I, I love really it. love it. Like the, the art style of this film, and Martin and I were talking about this, the art style of this film is beautiful and mm. um, is very of the time. So this hot, the kind of sort of like block. It carries block. on, yeah. And like they carried on doing it like that. And it's, I love it too. I like that kind of slightly stylized look. Mm, because if, it, if that's what's come out, I mean, this is the whole thing, isn't it? We talked about this with Lilo and Stitch, that um, yeah. when Disney's in trouble and they have very little money, that's yeah. that produces some of their best work. Yeah. And I generally do think that's what's really. happened here. And, you know, it's what happens. It's like, you know, I remember when I was at university, you know, it's like we, we could give you a budget of two grand to put this show on, but do you know what? We're going to give you 500 quid. We're going to give you yeah. the smallest budget we possibly can because we want you to be innovative. And that, yeah, that is what Disney is best. Like, when that is what when Disney is being innovative and they are limited, that's when they're at their best. So, oh, a hundred percent. And when you look at it, so it was they made three hundred times its budget. Yeah, it's bonkers. Like what the fuck? That's that's insane. So in today's money, ah, it's like Avatar money. Yeah. Um. Weirdly, Walt Disney hated that style. Really? So even though he made them carry it on for a bit mm. because of budgets and stuff like that, he didn't like it. Um, but that process, again, was originally tested on Goliath 2. It all keeps <laughs> coming back to Goliath fucking 2. We need to find so, this film. Yeah, we do. So it's, it was a nice easy. I've actually found it online. So what we should do is we'll we'll link up and we'll, yeah, um, yeah. we'll watch it because I know it's only a little short anyway, so it's, it's right. fine. Um, nearly all of the nine old men worked on animating Pedita. Wow. Um, however, Mark Davis was the sole animator for Cruella. Okay. So I thought that was quite an interesting little factoid there. It's got a massive list of facts for you now. Um, it's the third Disney classic to be set in the UK after Alice in Wonderland and Peter Pan. And only one of two that feature cigarette smoking, cigar smoking and pipe smoking. The other one being, do you know what the other one would be? Um, so there is a cigar in Alice in Wonderland with... It's all three. Say it again. So it needs to be all three. Cigarette, cigar and pipe. Oh, really? Okay. Um, I'm going to say Alice in Wonderland has got to be one of them. Because I'm sure... It's Basil the Great Mouse Detective. Oh, because I'm sure... Oh, maybe not cigarette. Yeah. It's, all, it's got to be all three of them. So in Basil, I don't know who does the cigarette Basil, but you've got Rattigan who smokes cigars and you've got Basil who smokes his pipe. The cigarette is um, the bar made in the dingy pub. Okay, done. Love that. Dirty smokers. Dirty. Um, so she has 15 puppies, right? Yeah. We only find out the names of six of them. Okay, so we've got Lucky, Rolly, Patch, Penny, Pepper, and Freckles. And then in the live action one, we find out six more names. We get uh, Wizard, Dipstick, Two-Tone, Cadpig, Fidget, and Jewel. So we still never find out the names of three of the 15 puppies. That's bonkers. 
I thought we had I all know. of them in the live action. Nope. Nope. Those are the only ones that named it. It's nuts, isn't it? Um, oh, yeah. And a little sidebar, which was really cute. And this is um, an Easter egg from the live action one. Um, the puppies are watching the Aristocats on TV in one scene. Just thought that was really cute. Oh, little bit of meta going on there. Yeah. Um, there are a total of six million four hundred sixty-nine thousand nine hundred fifty-two spots in this film. Christ. There are seventy-two on Pongo, sixty-eight on Pedita, and thirty-two on each puppy. Amazing. How good is that? I fucking love that. So basically, apparently someone literally went through frame by frame by frame, counting the spots on everyone. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Why is that with people? I'm glad they did it because now I've got the fact. Yeah. Jesus Christ, no. Um, this is a really cute one. Cruella's telephone reflects her mood. Have you noticed this? No. Oh, she's got this awesome little telephone, okay? And it's like a proper old school one where you lift off the handset and everything. Mm. Um and it's got a face on it that looks a bit like the devil. Shock. It's a red yeah, telephone. Yeah. Um, and basically, so there's she makes a call with um with Jasper or someone. Yeah, with Jasper, I think. Um, and basically at the beginning of the call, she picks up the phone and the eyes on the phone are open and it's smiling. And at the end of the call, when she's pissed off, the eyes are closed and it's frowning. Wow. Such a nice little touch. I love it. And again, the animation for that is wicked. I love the the kind of illustrative section of that. Um, it's got a nearly perfect score on Rotten Tomatoes, babe. It's 98% of the uh wow. I'm not surprised. How good is that? I'm not surprised yeah. because like as an early Disney film, it has really, really got everything that you want it's not a particular well actually no, it's quite long it's an hour and 22 minutes but it's oh, it doesn't stop does it it keeps going yeah, all the way through like going. there's no filler you've got a you know a perfect villain you you've got the comedy you've got mm. the animals which is disney is cl- like classically renowned for and mm. yeah I, I i've always loved it i think it's such Plus, you've kind of got these dual stories going along at the same time because of them getting separated. So you yeah. times when we focus on the puppies and what's going on there, yeah, um, and Jasper and Horace and everything, and then you've got times when we're focusing on Pongo and Birdie and the Twilight Bark and that kind of stuff. So I think they kind of flip between those two pretty well to keep your attention there. Um, there are a fuck ton of continuity errors, really, like a fuck ton of continuity errors. I've got two that I really noticed yeah. down here. But if you watch it, it's just like, oh, there's another one. There's another one. The most obvious ones, uh, actually right at the very beginning where Roger and Anita meet um, and she ends up in, in the pond and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, her hat constantly changes between beige and black. Really? Yeah. And the other one is when they first meet, she's reading a book. Okay. She falls in the water. When she goes out of the water, the book is a bag. That she then takes a hanky out of. Like, it's like, what the fuck? Um, so I kind of love that. But yeah, they were the two that really stuck out for me. But if you if you rewatch it, just keep your eyes peeled because yeah, yeah. there are a shitload of them. Um, this is a really cute little fact that I kind of love. Um, hang on. I just need to double check. Which one? Yes, it is. Okay, right. So this has got the exact um, timing, the exact length, and the exact frame count as Sword in the Stone. Has it? Really bizarrely, it is one hour of 19 minutes and it's got 113,760 frames of animation. That's bonkers. That's what a, a cute complete, little factory, though. I thought that was... Must be a complete, complete coincidence. Mm. 
Oh, completely. So, um, Dodie Smith, because I want to do a few more little bits about yeah, yeah. Dodie. Like Dodie Alfie. Uh, Dodie Smith. Uh, so she had uh, nine Dalmatians, one of which was called Pongo, which obviously oh. Pongo was. Um, and that's, uh, she was inspired to write the book after a friend of hers saw all of her Dalmatians together and commented that they'd make a lovely fur coat. <laughs> what the fuck? Um, kind of love that. Also, this is this is really cute, and I love this. Um, this was just such a fun um, fun film to research. Actually, I've still got shit loads more to say. Um, that birth happened uh, with one of her Dalmatians. It had fifteen puppies, and I one of them was stillborn. And then her husband revived it. Oh, so it. Ha- so she- it is like a bit of a um, sort of... It's like almost a... autobiographical, yeah. isn't it? But I just, I thought, oh, what a, what a gorgeous thing to know that actually that's that's legit, that happened. Yeah. That's, you know, that's cute. Because also, this is really weird, because they smoke all the way through this film. Yeah. Like, everyone's smoking constantly. And it's so bizarre watching Roger trying to revive this tiny puppy while smoking a pipe over it. It was really weird. It just felt counterproductive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, <laughs> yeah, just gonna like bring you back to life, give you breath, and away, yeah, take it away. <laughs> you will be riddled with cancer by yeah. the end, but you'll be alive. Um, so none of the Dalmatians are actually black and white at all. Um, they are light grey with black spots, and that is because of the uh, full-on snowstorm scene. Yes. So the animators knew they weren't going to be able to see them, so they made them this really, really pale grey, kind of like uh, old, old bra colour. Really nice. nice. Um, <laughs> so it's one of those things that you don't notice it until it's up against white, and then you think, "Oh, they're dirty, dirty." Um, when designing Cruella, uh, Mark Davis was inspired by a lady he met at a cocktail party, uh, but he never revealed her name. I kind of love that. Oh, to be her. Um, he also based her on actress Tallulah Bankhead, um, who des- who he described as just a monster. Um, wow. I think I think she was quite. I had a little look at her. Um, I think she just was one of those characters. I think she pissed a lot of people off. I think she's incredibly um, kind of outspoken about things. I actually right. think maybe she wasn't a monster from what I've read. I think she spoke her mind. I think she was just very ahead of her time in certain things as well. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things like you know, to do well as a woman in business, you're going to be seen as a bitch, that kind of situations. Um, plus, she was very open about her sexuality, which at the time was completely a no-no. Um, yeah. She she was considered promiscuous. She had various affairs. Um, she had various affairs with um, with women as well. So there was this whole kind of like bisexual thing going along with it as well. And so I guess of the time, you know, looked at badly. Um, so I thought that was quite an interesting one when I looked into it when he described her as a monster and then you look into it and think, oh, was she? But anyway, I didn't know her. Maybe she was an arsehole. Um, this is quite a fun one. So Clarence Nash, um, who was the voice of Donald Duck, um, he does all the barks for the dogs. Of course. Why not? I know, right? He was basically the Adam Tudyk of his time. Um, and he was uncredited as well. So you, you're never told. Um, I want to talk a little bit about music. Go for it. As we said, it wasn't a musical. Probably was one it? of the most classic Disney songs ever written. I know. Like, there's people the... that don't that don't like Disney that know this song. Yeah, they'll know Cruella de Bill. 
I know, absolutely. Um, it's fucking brilliant, isn't it? So basically, the soundtrack songs. Um, so we had two different things here, like with so many soundtracks, you've got your songs and then you've got your actual soundtrack music in the background. Um, the score, if you like. Uh, the soundtrack songs were composed by Mel Levin um, and he did both the music and the lyrics. And basically the first song he did was Cruella de Vil. He did three different versions and the final one he composed within 45 minutes just before a meeting with Walt Disney. I love Amazing. that. So again, it's again it's that pressure thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You work to pressure, you'll get your best work done fucking stunning uh the other two songs that we hear in it so there's not a lot going on song wise right. um the, the canine crunchies jingle canine crunchies yeah that one yeah that creepy little voice right <laughs> like a creepy yeah, little yeah. child so that was sung by um lucilla bliss um and she voiced anastasia tremaine in cinderella okay. um, also side note she was also the voice of smurfette from 1981 to 1989 amazing Sticking with the animation there, like that. And, and, this is a fun one for us. Just a really geeky little fact. It's like, yeah, whatever, no one else is going to care. She was the voice of Rosetta um, in the Star Wars Bounty Hunter game and for the 2002 PlayStation 2 and GameCube. Amazing. I know. I did actually have that game. Did did you? Did I have that game? I can't remember. See, I, a... I didn't have a PlayStation 2. I had a PlayStation, then I had no, a PlayStation I didn't 3. Have, no, 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 I didn't. I had a, didn't have a PlayStation 2, so I can't have had that one. So and no. GameCube. Ugh. Um, mm. But anyway, whatever. Um, the third song that we get is Dalmatian Plantation. Um, but actually, we only hear two lines. Yeah. That's it. However, we do hear more of that song later down the road in uh, 101 Dalmatians 2. Patches London Adventure, which Amazing. I also watched on Thursday, <laughs> along with the live action version and some more, which I'll oh. tell you about in a minute. There was so much. We literally did eight hours. Liam fell asleep for some of it and woke up and was like, what the fuck? It's still spotty fucking dogs. Um, <laughs> some additional songs were written. Yes. That would have made it more like a musical. Right. Okay. So they did these three other songs. Um, one was Don't Buy a Parrot from a Sailor. And that was going to be sung by um, Horace and Jasper. Right. Okay. I need to find that. They must have been recorded. Uh, we then get two songs that were going to be sung by the puppies. Um, okay. Randomly. And they were called Cheerio, Goodbye, Toodaloo, Hip, Hip, and March of the 101. But they were cut. So I guess they just did timings, whatever. Changed Timing, it also they probably, and also it, it probably didn't go down the musical route that they wanted. So, which is Evidently. quite important. Those 1960s Disney films, like they were yeah. musicalized. Um, score was composed by George Bruns, and he worked on soundtracks for Sleeping Beauty, Sword in the Stone, Jungle Book, Aristocats, and Robin Hood. Love that film. Right. Even though this was done back in the day, we do actually get some Easter eggs. Ooh. I know, right? So. One is a little cute one. Uh, the scene where the puppies are watching TV, they're actually watching um, Springtime, which is from the 1929 Silly Symphony se- uh, season, uh, which was a series of 75 musical short films that were released between 1929 and 1939. Amazing. So that was cute. Um, the other one, which I know some people will already know about, but I just thought it was lovely. And it just brings it into that kind of like, like seeing... Um, seeing Rapunzel and yeah, yeah. Rider at the wedding and stuff like that yeah. in Frozen with this one during the Twilight Bark we see Lady 
Yes. Tramp. Yes. Peg and Butch yeah. and Jock from Lady yeah. and the Tramp. You do. I love that. You see Jock first and it's so it's they kind of do it bit by bit. So you see Jock first and he's like barking up a pipe to yeah. get the Twilight bark out there. And you think, hang on a minute, is could it be or is it just another Scotty dog? And then it goes into this pet shop and you see Peg with her fabulous yeah. uh, um, And then it zooms along next to her is Butch, the big bulldog. And then you see in almost just silhouette with just a little bit of colour, a little bit later on, um, you see Tramp uh, stood up high, I think yes. he's into the very truck. Yes. And then it zooms down and you see Lady as Lady. well. And you can see her collar. So I love oh. it. So it's that real little confirmation. With this, we get a fuck ton of hidden Mickeys. But there is no point in me putting it that many pictures no. of them because they're basically all hidden in the dog spots. Of course they are. Okay. So the are. first, the most noticeable one is actually on Pongo in the first scene. So I'll stick a little picture of that yeah, up yeah. on there. But I thought that was, I mean, that's like a, goes without saying, doesn't it? Um, this was a weird little fact. Um, Roger and Anita moved from London to the Dalmatian Plantation in Suffolk and London is 101 miles away from Suffolk. Oh. I then fact-checked this. Right. And, of course, it really depends on what part of London is what part of Suffolk. Suffolk. All right. So yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing yeah. Straw situation. Um, okay. That's such an American As, fact that it's like... Yeah, exactly. It's 101 miles. Is it? Is it? Or is it 86 slash 130? Whatever. Um, right. So, as I said, this actually has spawned a franchise, yeah. which is just fucking brilliant. Some of the stuff I had seen, some of it I hadn't. So, I made a point, like I say, of watching stuff, bits and bobs. Okay. So, I've got a camera. Um, so, first of all, after this, uh, we actually had, before the live action remake, um, 101 Dalmatians, the series. And that ran from 97 yeah. to 98. Have you seen any of this? No, I haven't. Well, no, I probably did. I probably did. I watched so much Disney. So many- well, this is what I was thinking, because you're that era, aren't you, right? Yeah. yeah. So how old would you have been in 97? 11. Yeah, right. Okay, so this probably would be because it was actually very Nickelodeon looking. Right, okay. So they kind of changed up the animation style a bit. Um, I really enjoyed it. We watched an episode. We managed to find it. So it's not on Disney+. Plus. Right, okay. Um, so we managed to find it on YouTube. Um, so it's done in that magical YouTube way where every fucking now and then it breaks to some annoying advert they've chucked in yeah, to yeah. kind of get rid of copyright bots and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's a cute little storyline. So it just it's uh, it's set in the States as opposed to in the UK. Um, so it's kind of like a little mixture of a sequel, weirdly, before the, you know, before the American one came out. Well, yeah. The mixture, the live action. So it's like a little mixture of, of both, really. Um, but it features a chicken called Spot who wants to be a dog. It's actually Aww. really cute, really funny. You should have a little look. We just watched the first episode because, you know, yeah, yeah. it's something to do, wasn't it? Um, so following that, we then get uh, two live action movies, 101 Dalmatians and 102 Dalmatians. Glenn Close, Cruella. Oh, I bloody um, love her. I love she's Glenn She's amazing, Close. isn't she? She is so, she's perfect as Cruella, isn't she? She is amazing. Like, she basically, as far as she's concerned, like, Glenn Close is, like, she, she's she got some, like, sort of kind of, like, um, producing rights now within the franchise. because She, she does. Um, Cruella. Yeah, she was executive producer on it. She was. And, like, she, I love her. I had the... Um, the privilege of seeing her play Norma Desmond in Sunset Boulevard in London. Yeah. About, so it wasn't the original production, it was the, the concert version. Um, and? At, oh my God. Just 
stunning. That woman, the, the bit when the, um, in the second act, when she arrives on set, yeah. she asks, like, everyone, she's, the whole thing is that basically the storyline is that she's arrived on set, but she thinks she's prepping for her new film, but actually all yeah. they want to do is hire her car. And <laughs> it, she arrives and it's like, but she has this moment of, you know, she's a fallen star and like, yeah. she arrives back on set and she just feels at home and there's this bit where they, they put this light on her and just stunning like the way that she just on her own just commanded that stage and just I, there is there is no other Norma Desmond for me other than her like no. now I've seen her just incredible and she um she there is still talking it goes from being on it's happening to it's not happening to now it is happening um they're they're doing a a film of the musical really they've gone 360 it's the film to the musical music to the film um yeah and she's supposed to be playing norma desmond um <gasps> but, well i think we have said this on disney podcast before but um the fact that i know about glenn close is that she Every show that she has in her contract, it says that she has to have a copy of each of her costumes. Oh, I love that. So she has got all of Cruella's costumes at home. Oh my God, I hope she's got the wigs too. Yeah, she's got the whole thing. She's got oh. all of Norma Desmond's costumes. Like, I literally, could you imagine, like, just... Oh my God, do you think that's walking... how she got through lockdown? She was just like, I'm just going to dress up as Cruella's, don't <laughs> yeah. dance around the house. Fuck yes. Amazing. Like, I would literally love to walk into that wardrobe and be like, oh my God. Um, <laughs> I want to do the wigs yeah. so badly. So badly. So yeah, but that's, my, that's my little Glenn Close. Oh, that's thing. so cute. So cute, darling. Um, have you watched Have you watched both of them? 101 Dimensions and 102 Dimensions? The live actions, yes. Yeah, so, yeah. So I've not watched, the, car- I've not watched the cartoon sequel, though. That's, no, that's fine. Oh, I'll tell you about that, Bez. Um, What did you think of 102 Dimensions? It's bonkers, but I love it. I think Do you? I really it liked it. It was just panned. Yeah, panned. yeah. Um, for people who don't know, um, the storyline, is it's got nothing to do, because there was a sequel book. Yeah. Um, called, called the, I think it might have even been the Starlight Book. I'm not quite sure. Rather than the Twilight Book. Um, anyway, um, it's got nothing to do with it at all. And you only get Cruella and one other character. I can't remember who it was. Come back for the sequel. So it's not Roger and Eater or anything like that again. Um, and the storyline is um, Cruella wants to use Dipstick's children uh, for the grandest fur coat ever. So there you go. What can you do? I do remember. So I, I don't remember much about it. I remember watching. So was it, so she's been like in rehab, hasn't she? Yeah. And she comes back with like this sleek hair. I just remember it's always hair with me, isn't it? Yeah. Standard hairdresser, whatever. Um, and she gets triggered by the sound of is it Big Ben? Yeah. Um, chiming, and that's when she goes back to her her old personality. So she starts up being like this kind of like dog loving little kind of whatever lady. Um, and then she gets triggered by the sound, and her hair starts pinging out, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. And going crazy. Just remember that. Thought that was fun, but yeah, that's pretty much all I remember from watching the film tbh um as we've said we also get 100 dimensions two patches london adventure 
I really fucking enjoyed it. You should really? watch it. Really? Okay, I will. Yes, I legit. Will. Even even Liam enjoyed it as well. Really? They've done they've done it really well. It's um it's set pretty much straight afterwards. It's just a few months later, um, okay. and so they're they're getting everyone together to go to the Dalmatian plantation. And in this this is where you hear more of the song Dalmatian plantation. Um, they've done the animation style really beautifully, faithfully to how it was done before okay and considering it was done in kind of like the 90s or whatever um or early 2000s was it 2000 or mid 2000s god i haven't been down date for that um anyway it was a long time afterwards i love the fact that they have been very faithful to it there's the odd moment where you think oh lots of it's surgery right but as standard they have kept it the same so you've yeah, got yeah. the little rough edges the little rough lines and stuff like that love it um so really really enjoy that and then we also have the most recent cartoon version is 101 dalmatian street have you watched that no i haven't it's fucking appalling don't um <laughs> so it was horrific we watched one episode and both of us were like that was bullshit we loved the 90s tv yeah. series this was absolute wank um so they've updated it it's set in the present day okay right. and it follows pongo's and padita's descendants dylan and dolly um who just so happened to have 97 siblings it's it's just utter bullshit um and they like live in this house and they use like their their footprint to open doors and stuff like it's it's just weird and thing it's got a really different um animation style um just it just didn't work for me it's kind of very cartoon networky so it was it's really adhd and you know really flashes of stuff that you just think what the fuck's going on yeah didn't like it it was cancelled after one season right you they need to get rid of that and they need to put the 90s series up on disney plus the last thing that we have in this franchise so far is of course as we mentioned cruella i loved it i thought it was brilliant so for people who don't know it's a live action prequel and it's got emma stone as a young cruella or estella as he is as she's originally known um i just thought she was great um stunning i really enjoyed it and emma emma thompson's in it as the well. kid version of Cruella, like Estella, yes, was also amazing. Yeah. Like so good. Like they're doing well with that shit. Maybe not. Like we said before, yeah. that, like then the child actually plays the young um, Winnie and stuff like that yeah. in Hocus Pocus too. Like they're they're really they're casting well. Um, and something else, and it was cool with this. Uh, that's not the last of it. So uh, they started development in June 2021 on a sequel to Cruella. Amazing. And uh, Emma Stone has signed on as of August 21. So here we are over a year later. So I'm guessing give it a year. That will be out. That'd be so good. I, I, it, need, it needs more because it was so good. So good. And like the um, Liberties in London, when um, it came out, they did like a whole 101 Dalmatians exhibition in like the main hall and everything. Which oh, I love so Liberties. Beautiful. Well. Like the costumes and stuff. It was so cool. So cool. Amazing. Um, that, my friend, is your lot. But my my big thing with this is that, like, once I said earlier on, basically with the animation, the thing that I always take from this film, the thing that always stuck, has always stuck in my head, is the owner who looks like the dog. The dog who looks yes! like the owner. And they have the same colour and the same hair. And I just loved it as a kid. It was just so perfect. And just, oh. I love so, it. Because we watched everything literally in a day. Like, yeah. it was like, crack on, crack on, crack on. We watched... Um, what did we do? We did um, the remake first. Yeah, we did the live action remake yeah. straight after watching the cartoon. Two things that we really noticed about that. Liam pointed out um, one of them. So one I noticed was 
they do that bit with the owners and the dogs so faithfully wow. yeah. to the cartoon. It's just fucking brilliant. And then they add some more on, which we just loved. Like it's the lady with the Afghan hound and the hair and everything. Oh, love it. But also, Liam points out they re they reuse with Glenn Close. Those are the exact lines um from the oh, cartoon really? with Cruella, yeah, which I loved. I need to watch the live action again. Martin, when we first last time I watched it was the first time Martin had ever watched it. So I do need to really? watch it Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Might might get him to watch it tomorrow morning while we eat breakfast. Um Do it. So the other thing with Hundred Bond Emotions, this summer just gone, the mm-hmm. musical because of COVID, it was so universally panned. It was like the music apparently was really forgettable, but um, some of the casting was really the woman that played Cruella was incredible, but yeah. the puppetry was slightly worrying. So, so what? So what did they do? So you have to have a look at the picture I sent you. But basically, mm-hmm. the um, puppetry was they like the for all the dogs they just had heads that just appeared. So okay. these disembodied heads. Um, but they nice. also had, so um, Pongo and Purdy were like half dog and like the legs were the human beat the puppeteer's legs. So when they're puppeteering... What the fuck? <laughs> so when they're puppeteering, it literally looks like they're mounting the dogs. <laughs> it looks so bad and you need to see it on the picture i've sent you because it's just awful like who thought of that design and thought that that's okay this is okay that looks good yeah oh my god i'm gonna see if i can find some um some video footage of that as well because that sounds fucking terrifying i love it everyone like that was one of the things that was really picked up on all of the reviews and how long did it go on for it was um it was a summer season. It was never going to be a prolonged musical. It was a summer season at the um, Regent's Park Open Air Theatre. I wonder um, how much money they spent on that. But they well a, a lot. Yeah. So they they produce some incredible musicals. Mm. Uh, Regent Park Regent's Park Open Air Theatre. But yeah, such a misfire, <laughs> such a misfire. Oh. But yeah, so I I really hope they don't bring that one back. Um, but yeah, I I love the I love everything 101 Dimensions. Um, yeah, me too. Because I think I was at the right age to really appreciate it when the live action came out, um, and just I, so when I worked in London, I used to go to St James's Park to have my lunch. Yeah, um, I used to sit by the you know the ponds where he like cycles and then like yeah 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 the bench and goes over. I used to sit on one of those benches and be like, oh, I think this is the bench where like he cycles. Oh! It. Like, <laughs> I used to do that like most lunches. I used to be like, I literally I fucking love those little geeky moments. Yeah, damn right. So you don't fall in the pond. Um, Hey, listen, we haven't really talked uh, much about this, but before we go, Hmm. um, Bob Iger. Oh, yes. Discuss, please. Yeah, discuss, because you're going to know more about this shit than me. I don't really, I purposely didn't sort of get involved. I, I don't, I didn't like what Bob Chapak was doing. Yeah. So, well, um, apparently or, neither did anyone else, babe, because that's no, why he's gone overnight. So, he, he just used the parks as a cash cow, basically. Yeah. And it's difficult, because I imagine he had some really awful choices to make after lockdown and everything. Fine. 
But one of the choices they have made generally, and it's, it's includes Disneyland Paris, is that if you if you have an annual pass, yeah, you can only reserve certain days. So I can, as an annual pass member, I, I remember you telling me this. Yeah, three what days the fuck? in the park, and then I yeah. can't book anything more. So it's a case. Whereas I went before lockdown, you could just scan your card in you go mm -hmm. now it's i can i have to reserve my days in advance there's a good chance if i want to go in half term as a teacher i'm yeah. not getting those dates because just so just to make it clear to people who don't know that much about the annual passes all right it's not the same as a merlin pass where you just buy a card as a one-off payment is it no well no you do so like I, you can just pay a one-off yeah but basically it's, it is very similar but the, the the problem that you you have is now is that they've got this stupid reserve system that you tap in like when you get there but you also have like a a reservation slot which they have to scan when you go yeah. in and it's just faff and it, it's turning people basically disney california got have got rid of their annual passes we think this is a slow process of getting rid of annual passes from more parks because they really? don't they don't earn money from them so right. basically the or, or they earn very little money from them so basically you you could the park could be full but the yeah. park could be full of people with annual passes so no one's paid this is the issue at which point so, you're relying on food and merch yeah. So, but that this is fine if they want to restrict that a little bit. But to restrict people to three days, and like in Disney World, it's even worse. Like you can't reserve. Like for Disneyland Paris, you reserve it, you get both parks on your reservation. Mm. Disney World, you have to, like they've got four or five parks. Can't remember how many parks there is. Without having a look at it again, but the mm. you have to reserve each park individually. Yeah. No, that's really bad. So if you've got any pass and you you book Magic Kingdom. You might not get into Animal Kingdom for the afternoon or whatever. You can't do it, which is one of the reasons why people and so, I mean, did there was all the annual pass holders in France did picketed Disneyland Paris over this, um, yeah. weeks ago, because they were like, this is ridiculous. I my personal view is that just on this point alone, even if they just opened it up a little bit and gave us two more days, it allowed you it yeah. would allow you to book two trips. I yeah. can only book one trip at a time because I had this issue. I'm going. I'm going in April for definitely to see my um my niece Lottie, who is dancing with her dance school on stage at Disneyland. I want to be. How old is she? She's um she's going to be seven by that point. Oh my god, that's fucking gorgeous! So I, I want it. to see her do that, and yeah. So I've reserved three days so that I yeah. can go with my mum and everything. We can go over. Yeah, yeah. I know I want, we've talked about going to Pride at Disney. Yeah. I know, which is what winds me up, I can't reserve any more days until April now. Right. So if this is the case, in in June, we've got, I've got to either like book a hotel so that I don't have to use the reserving within Disney Park and pay a lot more money. And yeah. you not have to use the reservation system. Or I've got to hope in April that I can get in in June, which I probably won't because Pride Weekend will be gone. Yeah, it'd be bonkers. Yeah, I know. So yeah, it's not good. It's not good, and he's one of the people. He's basically Bob Chapek, and people call him Paycheck. Um, ah. have base. He's one. Of, that's one of the things he put in because yeah. he try he use the park as a cash cow, and yeah. it's just caused a lot of negative feeling amongst mm. Disney fans and Disney goers, and I just. 
it was the best thing, but also now I'm sort of like, I'm a bit concerned about something that was released this week about Bob Iger selling Disney to Apple. What? Apparently this rumour has been going around for a long time. No. I don't think it will happen. Well, he's, did you, have you read his statement? No. Okay, so he released a statement to everyone that works for Disney and it's been released publicly um, that just says he's back. He's going to do his damnedest by them, do what he can, and he's going to be there for two years, at which point he will spend that two years finding a worthy successor yeah. that's actually going to treat the company with the, the love that it's there to be treated with. It was, a, it was an interesting little read, a little interesting read there. But, so. you know, he did so many good things. He did. With Disney and bringing things together that we love to make them all Disney, you know, like let's not sell yeah. to fucking Apple. Absolutely no. not. But anyway, we shall see. Anyway. Let's see how the next Anyway. So next week, it's my yes. again. I'm so excited about this. I've wanted to do this for ages. So I am the generation of the Disney afternoon. So um, so just tell me quickly, what is Disney Afternoon? Disney Afternoon is a collection of um, late 80s, early 90s cartoons, Disney cartoons, that were shown on a Disney Afternoon. Um, it's called Disney Afternoon in America. It wasn't really called Disney Afternoon in this country because most of these cartoons were shown on something called the Disney Club, which was, I will go into more details about this next week. Yeah, um, yeah. It used to be on like a Saturday or Sunday morning in the UK. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Um, and it involves cartoons such as Tailspin and Duck yes. and Gummy yes. Bear, the Goof Troop, and like and on all these other, like Darkwing Duck. Um, but the problem is there is so many cool late eighties, early nineties, mid nineties Disney cartoons that oh, I was right. obsessed with. I know I can't just pot it into these small amount. Obviously, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, best one. Yes. But, so it is going to offshoot. So I'm going to. I'm going to send you a list of car- of episodes that I want you to watch. So when I get back awesome. to tonight, I'm going to have sort of a late night, wrap up in my Star Wars blanket, run yes. through the episodes and send you them so that I want you to start watching. Um, yeah. Basically, and are all these on Disney Plus, yeah? They are all on Disney Plus because um, I want to pull in gargoyles and stuff like that. So, yeah. I've never watched it. I read about oh. it the other day. I'm well up for watching so we'll that. Do, we'll, that's, a, uh, that's a given. We'll do the first episode of Gargoyles. Okay. Okay. Cool. Amazing. Right. Well, I guess I look forward to that. Have a lovely, lovely, great Disney week. And Yay. I will see you next week. Bye bye. What films are you desperate for us to cover? Do you have any Disney facts you would like to impart with us? If so, email us at disnerdpod at gmail.com or you can follow us on Instagram at Disney underscore nerd underscore podcast and search for us on Facebook at We'll Make a Disney Out of You. And don't forget to hit subscribe and give us your five-star ratings and reviews wherever you get your podcasts.